morning. I want to grab your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be reading verses 19 through 25 of Hebrews chapter 10. Hear now the word of the true and living God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a, heart, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory because we can not only call one another brothers and sisters, but because we can call you Father. We discuss the text that is before us. We pray that you would help us to see clearly the good and glorious things you have in store for us. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Home field advantage is the phenomenon when the home team in a particular competitive sport uh, is energized by the energy of the crowd. The crowd magnifies what is happening with the team on the field of play. And so a football team maybe can shift the big mo in their favor, momentum. Or a hockey team who maybe has been struggling is able to find the spark that they need when the crowd starts cheering and then you get all, you know, the, right? And you get the whole crowd going or you get the wave going and all that, right? And, and it's designed, again, to, uh, the, the energy of the crowd is supposed to enable the team, the home team, to go out and do better than they have been uh, before, or to, to push past the, uh, the, the level that they'd already pushed themselves to and, and to push past the opposition. And so uh, the fans, of course, they're not the ones who are competing. It's the team on the field or on the court. But through the energy of the crowd, the idea is uh, that they are joining with the team in spirit, as it were. And that gives the home team a, a sense of power that they didn't have before. And so, seemingly out of nowhere, they get uh, strength. You get that, that uh, mysterious effect of home field advantage. You know, many people ask why they need to come to church. Why do we need to assemble with the saints? Because it's home field advantage. 
This, this, this is home field here for us. This, this sacred space is where we come together as, again, the home team. And we worship with other believers. And that enables us to push together toward this same goal. And we do it together in spirit. Worshiping together, it ignites a bigger view of God within one another. Worshiping together with, with one another in person, that is designed to strengthen us so that we can face whatever circumstances or situations we come up against. And that is by design. God has designed the assembly as the means whereby we are encouraged to be diligent in our faithfulness, where we are encouraged to be diligent in the things that God would have us to be and He would have us to do. Well, how does the assembly serve to help us in our Christian walk? Well, that's what Hebrews chapter 10, the verses that we read in particular, verses 23 through 25, show us. It shows us. We see the design of the assembly of the meeting together of the saints. Now, it does involve, in the first place, some personal diligence. There in verse 23, we are called to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. But I want you to notice the motivation behind this. For He who promised is faithful. He's talking about God. God is the one who promised, and God is faithful. How faithful is He? Well, that's why we read the full context beginning in verse 19. And we see God was faithful in bringing us a new great high priest who is not only the sacrifice as He lays down His life, but He Himself is the priest offering the sacrifice. And now we have access to God, throne room access, because of the work of Christ. And all of that is a demonstration of the faithfulness of God on our behalf. He promised, and then He kept His promise. And so our confession, our hope, is rooted in, it's founded upon, the faithfulness of God. And so because God is faithful, hold fast the confession of your hope. And in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a present tense thing. It's an ongoing thing. We continue to hold fast to our confession. That is, hold fast to our faith. And certainly there's a corporate aspect to this, but in view here is the personal aspect of this. It is true. It is our confession. And so we confess the same thing. We confess the same thing about Christ, about God. We believe the same gospel. But we do so even on an individual basis. I can't hold your confession or your confession. You can't hold mine. I hold mine and you hold yours. And we do that together as the body. And so hold fast your confession. And, and the term there, hold fast, points to the diligence, that it does take effort on our part. It does take energy to uh, hold fast to this confession, the confession of our hope. And we are tempted sometimes to loose our grip on our confession. Maybe even tempted to turn loose of it. That's why you are to hold fast without wavering. Uh, and, and so... Uh, you 
you are called to be fully persuaded of the truth, called to be diligent in doing even the very thing that you confess. And so here's the personal aspect before we lean into the communal aspect of this. That we are to be personally diligent in our faithfulness, but then also we are to be diligent as a community. Notice how verse 19 began. Therefore, brothers, and the way that the original language worked, it can be translated brothers and sisters. This is addressed to the whole family of God. Siblings in the family of God. All of them corporately are the church. This is written to the church. And, and this comes out especially, specifically in our text this morning, verse 25, with that phrase, meet together. Translated in a single term in the original, meeting together, assembling. You assemble together. That's this, what, what's in view is the actual assembly of the saints. What we do here, the assembly of believers. And it's, 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 it includes the first day of the week, the, the stuff we do on Sunday together, but it's not just limited to that. It's, it, I mean, we saints, believers get together all throughout the week in small group Bible studies, in home meetings, getting together for a meal. Uh, and so uh, the occasional meeting together of Christians is also in view here. You get both of these. And so the, the assembly, that's what we are to be diligent about. Now why is that? Start in verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another. We are to think of one another. Uh, right there, the term consider means to give careful thought to a particular subject or matter. I've said it before, I'll continue to say it. Christians ought to be the most thoughtful people of all. We are to put careful thought. And, and it's not, notice, it is not just like impersonal objects that you're to think about. It's very personal. You are to think of one another. These are other persons. These are Christians. Your brothers and sisters that you are to think about. Give careful thought to them. And we know that because of the phrase there, one another. One, that's right here. That's uh, the way I've illustrated in the past is with the, the reciprocating saw. You have like a sawzall, right? The blade moves back and forth very quickly. That's the idea of one another. And we need one another to do this. To, to think about one another, to give careful thought. You see, one of the deep motivations for our meeting together is so that we can express our deep concern for one another. We care for one another. And so we, we watch out for one another. we got one another's back. And so we need to be diligent in thinking about one another. And then this further points to another motivation to our meeting together. You see, you think about your brothers and sisters, but then you consider also how to stir up one another. So, number one, you notice just it's a personal thing. Each, By the way, each one of us is different than the other, yes? I'm different than you, you're different. Than... And so the needs are going to be different based on the particular individual. But then also you think about how can I stir up my brother, my sister toward love and good works. Uh, the term here, your translation may say provoke. It's not bad. It's, it's, uh, I mean, granted, other contexts, that term provoke can have a negative connotation. But here it's a good thing. The, the provocation 
that we are to uh, exhort one another, that we are to excite one another toward love and good deed. Uh, deed. So, so notice, one of the ends for our assembling together, as it's put here, is that we might excite one another toward love and good deeds. First of all, love. Notice it's, it, it comes first, right? It's because that's the spring for everything that we ought to do. Let everything you do be done in love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16. And so love, it comes in the first place, and it's, it's the spring whereby we do our good deeds. So we need to stir one another up as it pertains to love. For whom? Well, love for God, certainly. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But also, again, this is in the context of brothers and sisters of the church. So we need to stir one another up toward our love for one another. That's what Jesus, uh, what He uh, uh, binds upon His church, upon His disciples. They're going to know you're My disciples by the love you have for one another. Love one another even as I have loved you. This is uh, John chapter 13. So we stir one another up. How, how can we love one another better? How about love for our neighbor? We, we already got the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How, how can I help you love your neighbor as you ought to? Especially when your neighbor is playing loud music at all hours of the night and day. And How do we love our neighbor? And, and even love them so that they come to know Christ. How about loving our enemies? That's something that Jesus calls us to, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and do good to those who hate us. And, mm, that's, that's a tough one. And I know, I, I can't do it by myself. I need help from you guys to help me love my... And, and so I know, because people are the same everywhere, you're going to need help from me and, and from your brothers and sisters. How do I love my, my enemy as I ought to? And even love them so that eventually they, they would love God. See why? We need to meet together. Here's, here's, uh, here, the, the means for this is we come together and the end is, well, you go out here and you've been excited to love as you ought to. Love God. Love others. Uh, love your brothers and sisters. Love your neighbors. Love your enemies. But then also we're to stir one another up. Excite one another concerning good deeds. Love and good deeds. And so it's from that love that you have that you now engage in good works, good deeds, service. Works of service for other people. And they're good deeds because they're praiseworthy. And they're beneficial for those that you're doing them to. Right? So uh, we need to be diligent in meeting together because that's where we get to mutually exhort one another to do the things that, that the Lord has uh, to be diligent in doing those things and to, again, exhort one another, encourage one another, stir one another up to love and good deeds. But then also, uh, verse 25, we're also called to encourage one another. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Encouragement, that comes as we meet together as well. That's one of the ends for the means of assembling together. Now, this is something that was mentioned earlier in the book of Hebrews. You come with me back to uh, chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews. 
chapter 3. Notice, let's read verses 12 and 13. The writer there says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice, you want to avoid an evil, unbelieving heart? Well, then you need the encouragement and the exhortation that comes from one another, from your brothers and sisters. You see, the, the encouragement that we receive from the body, when we are tempted, when we are tried, when we uh, notice unbelief cropping up, or even outright evil showing up in our hearts, we're tempted to be led away by that kind of a heart. That's why the encouragement is so necessary and the exhortation is so important. But again, it takes place in a one another context. You notice here also, one another every day, as long as it's called today. We come now back to chapter 10 and verse 25. With that background, seeing that the writer of Hebrews has already addressed this, now it gives another flavor to this. You see, there were those, some, who were in the habit of neglecting the meeting together. They were neglecting the assembly. And as a result of that, apparently some unbelief had been promoted in their heart. Some evil had shown up. And it's not just the you know, the gross forms of evil. Evil, I mean, it's just the distance traveled when we talk about sin. Sin is missing the mark. Evil is how bad did you miss it? And so, the encouragement, we are to encourage one another, and again, that's one of the reasons why we are diligent in meeting together. We find the, uh, from fellow believers, the encouragement that comes from them, the, the ways that ensure us of faithfulness and, and promoting holiness amongst one another. We need to be diligent in reminding one another to be diligent in the faith. That's the bottom line. So what do we do with this? Not neglecting to meet together. Therefore, we should be diligent in, the, in, in assembling with the saints. But we notice the context here is that there was a habit of some. The term there for uh, habit, yours may say custom, that's good too. The term there is ethic. Actually, ethos, we get our English term ethic from it. This had become a settled practice. It had become a, a manner of living for certain individuals. Not a few. Some, right? Some of these Hebrew Christians were falling into the sinful neglect of not meeting with the saints. And so there was uh, confusion that was prevalent in their day. Uh, Earlier in chapter 10, every priest stands daily. He's talking about the temple in their day. It was still, it was still there. And so there was a temptation to go back to that. And, and there were certain Hebrew Christians who were doing that. They were going back to that former well-known uh, practice. And after all, look, I, I can see that. I can see the temple. But all this great high priest and, and spiritual stuff and Christ interceding on our behalf, I can't really see that because it's intangible. How do I know it's really happening? And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't you understand? 
the whole, that whole thing was pointing to what we have now, which is the reality, and it's spiritual, and it's better. Christ is better as our great high priest. And so he, even though that may still be standing, by the way, that day that he's talking about here, I believe it's, for their, for their context, it was the day of the destruction of Jerusalem. That, that That's going out of business. It's, it's going to be destroyed. The judgment of God will be visited upon it. Don't go back. Don't go back to that. But again, there were some fallen into apostasy. They've fallen into unbelief and, and the evil. and Their custom, their habit, their ethic is now this settled practice, this manner of life of not gathering together with the saints. What about today? What would be the contemporary application for this today? I, I think there are not a few Christians today who can fall prey to the same sinful neglect of the assembly. Same thing can happen today as it did then. Now granted, the, there is confusion about the nature of worship and the nature of the assembly. Uh, the, the pandemic and COVID-19 did us no favors in that. Right? And so there are faulty notions about uh, what exactly it means to assemble. I, I will say this. Let me just preface my statements by saying some good things have come out of the pandemic. And one of the good things that did come out of the pandemic is that it forced us to get our act together digitally. Uh, it, w it was something that had been talked about and thought about a lot. A lot of research had gone into it, but we, we hadn't done anything. And, and what we did have was uh, spotty, inconsistent at best. And so when the shutdown happened, again, that, that forced us to pull the trigger on some things and to get things done. And, and now we do have a full complement of uh, streaming services via YouTube and we used Facebook for quite a while. And listen, that was, that was good and beneficial for folks who hadn't been here for a while because of physical circumstances and situations. We had a, several shut-ins who benefited from the online platform. There were those who, uh, for one reason or another, are simply prohibited from being here. In the, and listen, they want to be here. Uh, hear me on this. Many of them want to be here, but are prohibited because of their circumstances and situation. And so, brothers and sisters, online, that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. And if that's where you land, I just want you to understand, the Lord understands that. However, and let me just speak exclusively to those online right now, some of you, that's not true for you. You, you are not shut in. Circumstances aren't uh, adverse. You ought to be here. You need to be here because of the stuff that the Scripture says. Scripture is exhorting you right now to abandon that neglect and to meet with your brothers and sisters whereby you can find the thoughtfulness and the exhortation and the encouragement that you need to live on a daily basis. If you are merely depending upon the live stream for your spiritual nourishment, you're coming up short. Don't get me wrong. It's true. You get the sermon. Uh, you get to hear the uh, song leader. 
You can even eat the Lord's Supper. But what is missing is you can't be here in person with your brothers and sisters. You don't get that interpersonal interaction with your brothers and your sisters that you need, by the way. It's by design. God designed it this way. And so you're missing out on all of those things that you get in person. Because the reality is meeting together in person is irreplaceable. Listen, I get it. We did, we did the COVID hustle, the COVID shuffle, open, shut down, open, shut I get it. We're past that. And, and now is the time to get back into the practice, the habit, the custom of meeting together. And hopefully you didn't shut things off, right? Because you have that ability, right? I'm not listening to this, right? I'm merely the messenger communicating what the Lord Himself says through His Word. Now for the rest of y'all. Yeah, go go get them online. Yeah, Here we go for the in-person. Ready? Because historically, historically, Churches of Christ, we, we know this text. I think we've, we've done a good job, shall we say, of really drilling down, not forsaking the assembly. Right? Not forsaking the assembly. And again, again, we've done a good job of emphasizing. Maybe to a fault. Right? Not neglecting, not forsaking the assembly. On the other hand, I don't know that we've done a good job of emphasizing the intention behind, the why we don't forsake the assembly. We've got the what, the why. Why is it? Why is it that God here through His Word says, don't neglect to meet together. Don't forsake the assembly. And so all of these other things that we've talked about, the thoughtfully considering your brothers and sisters, uh, stirring them up, exhorting them toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another uh, as you see the day approaching. And for us, I mean, destruction of Jerusalem is behind us. But there is coming a day, a day of days, when all of us will stand before Christ and will give an accounting to Christ and to the Lord, uh, to God, and so, here, here's the why. You know, we, this is why we come together. It's not just so that we can, you know, talk about the you know, latest sport event or, you know, compare uh, crafting ideas or, you know. Uh, listen, that's all good stuff, and that, that helps uh, tighten the ties that bind. Don't get me wrong. Those are good things, needful things. But if we are neglecting to... Stir one another up for love and good deeds. If we are neglecting, encourage one another. When we get together, we've missed it. Even if we've not forsaken, we've missed it if we're not doing the deeper things that Scripture is calling us to. There are spiritual matters that we need to pertain to whenever we come together. We have uh, relationships that have developed over time. Uh, and I've, I've used the illustration before of our Lord. He had the masses. And there was a certain level of relationship there. And then, you know, he had the, the 70 that he called and commissioned. There's a deeper level of relationship there. But then there was the 12 
And that had even deeper intimacy. And then there were the three, Peter, Andrew, and uh, John. Peter, James, and John. Andrew's there too. But he had the three that he was especially close with. But then Scripture talks about one that he loved. And so based on that, you do see varying levels of relationship and degrees of intimacy, and that's a good thing. And we have the same thing that takes place here. We have differing levels of relationship and intimacy. You, there are certain brothers or sisters that you know better than other brothers and sisters. And that's a good thing because, listen, you can, you can utilize that, lean into it, so that you can together exhort and encourage one another in your Christian walk and your Christian relationship. How can, how can we better glorify God? How can we better honor Christ with what we do? How can, how can we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength better? How can we love our neighbors more? How can we, how can we be of service to those who are around us? All of, the, all of this is part of why we come together. That's the why of the what we do. And it's why we are diligent in meeting together and not forsaking, not neglecting the assembly. There's one more thing. And uh, we'll close with this. Started off talking about the this is home field advantage. This is sacred space. Every week, when we leave here, we march out into enemy territory. I know that there are churches, I've been to them, they have over over the exit, when you go out, it'll read, you are now entering the mission field. And that's right. But make no mistake, that is enemy territory. That is the enemy's home field advantage. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one, Scripture says. The world is the devil's home field. And that is why the Lord has seen to it that we have home field advantage when we come together. Why we have this sacred space whereby we can encourage and exhort, stir up, think about one another. That's why I'm so grateful you know, that, that uh, uh, there are so many that typically stay after service and visit and, and talk. And, and some of you stay and you know, they're, we're turning lights off and stuff, right? Shut the building. Yeah, absolutely. Shut it down. That's great. Right? Stay, stay as long as you want because we find spiritual strength as we exhort and as we encourage one another by being diligent and meeting together. We find the, the spiritual help that we need in being diligent in our personal commitment to Christ, holding fast the confession of our hope. So as we together magnify Christ and and honor God. We also exhort one another. Encourage one another to do better, to be better than we were before. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's commit this to prayer. Lord God, You are so wise. So marvelously wise. The only wise God. And you have seen to it and you have seen fit to provide your church with what she needs in order to live life in this world. I pray, Father, that 
but that I've gotten out of the way and, and that you, your word has been heard today and that we allow your word to sink deeply into our hearts and our minds and that we would be diligently faithful in the things that you have given us. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.